Ten Commandments. You know, it's a technically a requirement of the Anglican Church to read them at least once a month at the opening of the service. I've been delinquent, I've learned, <laughs> in my readings this week. Uh, so maybe you can expect that from now on. <laughs> uh, but it's, um, you know, depending on, uh, no matter how long you've been going to church, whether this is more a new thing for you, or maybe you've grown up in it, or maybe church has been your life, um, no matter where you're on that spectrum, I think the Ten Commandments are just one of the most famous um, ethical uh, sort of guidelines, rules, laws, uh, the world over. It's hard prep to find someone that hasn't uh, heard about them in some way. Uh, maybe some of, you, uh, some of us grew up watching the classic Charlton Heston, Cecil B. DeMille, uh, Ten Commandments. Um, I've recently watched it again in English, but when I, growing up, I watched it in Spanish. We had a Spanish dub. So getting used to Charlton Heston's voice has been so awful. <laughs> it's, it's awesome, though, I'm not used to you. Uh, but it's a, it's a fantastic story, and that's what we focus on today. Um, we've been going through this journey every Sunday, uh, looking at uh, covenants. In other words, the, promise, the, 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 the promises of God, God given to specific individuals, but really seeing how those promises are for the whole human race. And as we look at each of these stories, we're looking at how these promises are actually fulfilled in Jesus. Because, of course, we're Christians, and so, in a couple of weeks, the most significant part of, of our, not only the Christian year, but really uh, of our lives, we're going to be commemorating it, remembering it, thanking God for it. That is, the death of Jesus Christ on the cross, and so grateful for his resurrection. The death has been defeated. The history of the world has changed. There's hope and love, definitely in the future. And so our lives are shaped by that. And so looking at how God, that moment... Um, that historical changing moment of Jesus isn't an ad hoc random thing, but actually God has been promising from the beginning his love, his, his heart, his desire to rescue us from the sin and destruction that we visit on ourselves and to bring us home. And so we looked at Noah, the promise of life, how God is not a God of destruction in the end, but God of redemption and hope. Remember the rainbow? God says, I'm making this promise with you. When you fail this promise, the, the arrow's pointing up, I'll take the hit. Same with Abraham last week. There was a carving of the flesh, but that was predicated in a previous covenant of split, Abraham splitting the animals, walking through. Remember that promise? When you meet two people made that promise, the person walking through the animals was effectively saying, if I break the promise, cut me in half. But God said, Abraham, don't worry about it. I'm walking through the animals. And so we're seeing a pattern of God's, actually his tenderness and his love his desire to do everything it takes to heal us and bring us home. And so today we read the Ten Commandments and it feels kind of like putting on the brakes a little bit. Okay, here we go. Here's the boss now. All this love and gentleness. Now here's the, here's the man with the rules. And there it is, the Ten. And really the Ten are the beginning of 600 plus other commands. So it doesn't stop there. But these are the main Ten, right? And so I guess what we have to look at before we land and the hope that is definitely there, I think we have to start by being honest of, I think maybe how, how we often approach the, the Ten Commandments. I rarely use this words, but <laughs> we have to deconstruct how we approach the Ten Commandments to, I think, receive God's word. Because it's very, I think it's very um, understandable to come to the Ten Commandments and say, okay, well, it seems like God's been pretty clear. Here are the rules. If I follow these, then I'll be okay with him. 
And so it seems pretty clear. We'll just follow the Ten Commandments. And then you list them. Don't have any gods before me. All right? And I think what happens is that once we go through them, if we're honest, we recognize that we don't actually live them out. Like, perfectly. Ideally. All right? Because last week we noticed in the conversation God had with Abraham, that uh, searing line, I am the Lord God Almighty. Walk before me blameless. So that's God's word. So we hear that, and he says, walk before me blameless, and here now, here are the rules. And you look at these rules, and we go through them, and you're like, okay, well, um, have, uh, don't murder. Okay, yeah, that's great. See, I haven't murdered anyone. I haven't killed, so I'm not going to do that one, right? Uh, then you look down, uh, oh, honor your father and your mother. Well, what does honoring mean, actually? Is that obedience? Is it not obedience? I'm not sure what that means. I'm going to bracket that. Maybe you say, oh, stealing? I don't steal. Well, have I? I don't know. And then we approach the rules, and then we, our lives are revealed in those rules. We look at them. We, we sense that, I don't know that I could actually follow these. Maybe some on a good day. And then if you start thinking even deeper, it gets even more complicated, you say, well, I haven't, I mean, I'm not gonna ask for hands, but I'm gonna assume that no one here has murdered someone, but maybe you have, but I'm gonna go on a limb and say no, for the sake of this moment here. <laughs> Everyone look around, who, who's here? Who killed someone? <laughs> but, okay, so but I, maybe I, I know for a fact I haven't pulled the trigger and, 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 and killed someone, thanks be to God. But I also think about my purchasing power and how I spend my money and how so much of what I have in my life, uh, the, the products that we, say are necessary for our lives or predicated upon the suffering and misery of countless others across the world. Right? What's my relationship and my purchasing power to those realities? Now it gets fuzzy. Because the more you think about it, that thou shalt not murder line starts coming closer than you, we feel comfortable. My point this morning, not, not so much that I said their ethics, but just to point out um, how deep and searing these laws are. Ten Commandments. And so we can do two things here. Here are the two main strategies I think that humans regularly deploy to deal with Ten Commandments. The first, maybe it's a little rarer these days, I don't know, but you, you, you recognize it right away. Some people say, I'm going to follow these rules. I am not going to break these rules. I'm going to follow them. If anyone asks me, I got it. I'm a, I'm a good person. So I follow these rules. And they live their life that way. Maybe you've been around people like this, and they're uncomfortable to be around because when you're around them, you feel kind of judged. You feel like they're looking at you, they're just following the rules, and it's, you know, maybe you've been around someone who just gives out the Bible, give a two shoes Bible, maybe I give it to you. Oh my goodness. But uh, you know that you see, you see what I'm saying? It's just you're following it. And that, we don't have to spend too much time on today, I don't think. Not because you're not trying to do that, but because the problem with that way of saying, I just follow the rules, is like, hey, no, you don't. That's just a lot. No, you don't. No, you don't. And if you live a life saying, I follow the rules and I'm doing it, you're going to break your heart. And at some point, you're going to break those rules and your self-image that you've built based on telling yourself and everybody, I follow the Ten Commandments, is going to shatter. Your psychology is going to shatter and then it's just not going to be a good look. You're going to have a hard time. But that is a popular strategy. Oh, I follow the Ten Commandments. No, you don't. And if you think you are, you're going to fail and it's going to hurt you. That's one. But it's the second one that I think that is more common, at least that I've encountered, maybe in the circles that I inhabit, and maybe I've done it too, actually. 
so I'm speaking to myself, is we look at these Ten Commandments and we put, we, we treat them as a gradient, right? We say, well, here are the Ten Commandments God has given us, but I'm basically a good person, so I, I, I follow them. Like I, I kind of do all of them. Maybe not all of them at all times. I'm not sure what some of those mean, but I kind of follow them. I'm a good person, Seth. I do it. And effectively what we do, the strategy is, we don't articulate it, but the strategy is, is we take God's standard from saying, walk before me blameless, and we bring it down and make God a little more human and say, what we're hoping God is saying is like, I know you're human, it's okay. You did a couple. Yeah, it's all right, I like you. We're friends. Don't worry about it. And we bring God's standard down. We presume on his character. and we're comfortable doing it to God, we don't accept it from other people. Have you ever been in like a mixed situation, like in a social situation, and people are talking and sharing and having a good time, and then maybe a close friend or someone, a family member or someone that you know uh, starts saying something and it, it come, becomes apparent to you, that's, that's a lie, that's not true. And then they look at you and they kind of like give you the nod, like you're just backing up on this one. And they pull you into complicity into that moment, you're like, why? I don't, I don't want to be part of this, right? Or they're ribbing on someone, but it's not friendly. They're actually trying to jab at someone. They're making a joke and look at you, kind of like, hey, hop in. You can do it. What are they doing to you in those moments? They're bringing you down. They're bringing your standards down. And depending on who you are, if you have that kind of comfort, you'd be like, hey, that's not true. No, that, that's, sorry, Jimmy, that's not what happened. Or I didn't see that. I'm not part of this, right? Because maybe you have a sense of self of who you are and you, won't, you don't want to be brought down. Now, I don't know in the end about you. Maybe, you. maybe you don't know about me. But the Bible is pretty clear about who God is. And God's standards won't be brought down. Because God is perfectly good. He's also perfectly just. And in fact, a unique descriptor of God in the Bible is that he is holy. In fact, if you read the Bible, the word holy is used throughout the Bible for different things. There are uh, vessels and articles uh, for God's worship that are considered holy. Temples or tabernacles or tents or even certain locations are considered holy. And so when you read the Bible, you'll hear that word throughout it. But only God is ever described as holy, holy, holy. Only God. Inhabits that realm. Now, what does holiness mean? I think it's misunderstood. God's holiness, we're going to go a little backwards to get there, to see that what God is doing, and when we see the Ten Commandments, understand God's holiness, we have to understand the context of the Ten Commandments. That's going to help us understand it. So we have holiness. What's that? Hold that for a second. We have God's law, and we're not bringing the standard down. Okay, we're holding these two things. How do we make sense of this? It's actually the context. God had rescued his people from slavery in Egypt, right, through Moses, that mighty man of God, that prophet. He rescued them from slavery, and he brought them to this mountain and said, I'm going to give you my law. And there they are at this mountain. And for our human, modern Western eyes, we look at that, we're like, yeah, of course, God's some kind of 
divine king or ruler. He's giving his rules down, and their job is to obey it. But if we look at our Jewish sisters and brothers, they actually have a very beautiful insight that helps us understand what's happening here. Because I'm not sure if you've ever been to a Jewish wedding or have ever reviewed the Jewish liturgy of the wedding. They give you the clue right there. In a, in a traditional uh, Jewish liturgy for a wedding, the couple are standing with each other. Uh, they're about to make promises, and they have like you know trinkets, little rings. But the promises are telling. The groom says to the bride, and the bride says to the groom, they say, may I be sanctified to you as God was sanctified, as we were sanctified to God at Sinai in the Torah. May I be sanctified to you. And they say that to each other. May bride to groom, groom to bride, and I be sanctified. In other words, may I be holy to you. And what that means is I'm sanctified to you. I am only for you. I am set apart just for you. And you are set apart just for me. And there's a standard in our relationship, and it will not be lowered, not by 10, not by one. Only for you, and you are only for me. And let us be sanctified, and this is predicated on, this is based on how we have been sanctified to God at Sinai. And now we get to understand what's happening here when the people of God are receiving the law. It's not a king uh, delivering his commands to his servants or slaves. It's a wedding. It's a wedding. God has redeemed his people from slavery and he wants to bring them home. But the reality is they've been slaves for 400 years. They've been severely damaged. They have slavery thinking. They have broken psychology. Their hearts are rent. They don't know how to be faithful and good. They're broken. So God gives these commands because as they follow these commands, their lives will be reconfigured and made whole. Or backwards, if they had not been slaves and they had not had a ruptured relationship with God, these commands would be superfluous because this would be the way they just are. Think about this. Imagine I came to you and I gave you 10 commands on how to breathe. Well, how would that land for you? You just read it. First, take a breath in. Okay, now what? Do I just hold it? Now exhale. And you start making, it'd be, it'd be silly. Oh, it's a silly. If I gave you 10 commands on how to breathe, you know how to breathe. You never think about it. You, you just do it. In fact, it's weird when you start thinking about it. Start thinking about your intake and you get, get weird about it, but you don't, you just know. And it'd be odd. In fact, if you withheld breathing, you would actually you'd die. Now, that might sound like a facetious example, but we have so divorced ourselves from God that God has to come and give us these 10 laws. And we struggle with it. We are so learned at ignoring God and not being sanctified to God, at being divorced from God, that we readily do evil and we readily lie and we readily uh, live lives completely devoted to the self, ignorant and uninterested in God, and our souls are dying. How many people have you met? They're they're dead long before you bury them. They're dead. Effectively, their souls are atrophied. You know, on Sinai, God is coming to his people in love and saying, I've redeemed you. I love you. I'm giving you this shape of life. 
And as you live this out, you will be reconfigured, you will be healed, you will be made whole. Because God loves us. It's not just to be a petty tyrant to make rules only for us to break them and have him punish us. He's inviting us to a new life. And we'll stop here because two things are happening. I started by emphasizing God's power, his goodness, his justice, right? I've talked about it before, his hatred of evil and his judgment. We're real about this here. And now it's introduced this loving, tender picture. They seem to be in conflict. And maybe there is a paradox there. Because on the one hand, the laws are laws. God is holy and just, and he cannot count as evil. The Bible says it over and over again. If God were to appear here, we all die. He would incinerate, he would incinerate us. His reality would, like a, a leaf touching the sun. It just wouldn't make it. But he's also loving us and trying to invite us into this relationship, this tenderness of that marriage is the, is the icon. It means closeness, intimacy, togetherness. So how, what does it mean for me to be broken and a sinner, breaking these rules? You have these high standards, but if I approach you, I'll die. But you want to be near to me. You love me, but I'm sinful, so you'll destroy me. What is happening here? This is, it's a question. And after they received the, the, the laws, the, the ancient people of God had a sophisticated and complicated system Sacrifices and worships and festivals and a whole system dedicated somehow to bridge this paradoxical gap. And here we are as Christians. How do we answer this question? Well, the long and the short of it is that the Ten Commandments and God's posture to us, to us only really makes sense in Jesus. He knew it was coming, but I had to say it. It only makes sense in Jesus. Because I don't know what it means for God to be holy, good, and holy, just, and perfect, but that my broken self come near to him. He said you can't do that. So the only strategy I had, I said it too, right? Now I'm going to do them. You can't say My heart breaks. Or I relativize his laws and make them fuzzy so that I can live the whatever life I want, and that's a lie. That's not what God is inviting us to do. No, what happens is that God says, I do love you, and I am going to bring you home. I'm going to bring you home. The work that I started by redeeming you from slavery in Egypt, I'm going to finish that work. I'm going to come to the earth, and I'm going to redeem you from the slavery of sin. And God did come in the person of Jesus Christ. And he lived the life that we should live that we don't. He is the only person, that, law, that word that God gave to Abraham, walk before, I am the Lord of God Almighty, walk before me blameless. All of us don't, don't meet that. Spoiler, we don't. But Jesus did. Jesus came to the earth and he walked before the living God blameless. And we murdered him. He lived the life that we should have lived and we killed him. He died the death we should have died. But he died on the cross. And because he walked blameless before God's sight, he walked, death washed right over him. He walked right through death, right to the other side. Alive, God made man, fully man, fully God. Death couldn't hold him. And then he turned around and he looked at us and said, I've accomplished it. The paradox of Sinai, I have accomplished it. 
Now all you have to do is trust me. And my life will transform your life. Now you can approach me. I'm God. You won't die when you approach me. I died already. When you approach me, you won't be incinerated. You will receive in the warm embrace of God's everlasting life and love. And what happens if you take that plunge and you trust Jesus? Here's the reconfigure. Here's the third way, right? You had the two. They don't work. Try to do it. Can't do it. Or make the laws fuzzy. That's a lie. What you do is now with Jesus next to you, in your life. You're trusting him. He's the one. Then you go back and you see Sinai, you see the Ten Commandments, and you see what it is. Oh, this is the wedding. This is, these are rules of life and love. And I love you, God. I love you, Jesus. These rules aren't onerous. I want to do this because I love you so much. Now I understand your heart and I want to do this. And if you've ever been in love, Maybe you haven't been but love, but maybe you had a really dear friend that you just really care for and cherish. What do you do with this person? You learn what they're about. You like the interests, their desires, their likes, their passions. And then, oh, you like that kind of music? He, um, here's a, a, I'll buy you, well, I'm going to buy you a CD. I just, I said it out loud. Right? Or uh, you like this kind of, you, 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 this movie? Okay, let's go see you. You like this kind of food? Let me learn how to make it. What can I, oh, you like it when I have short hair? Cut it off, whatever. I want to please you. These rules aren't constraining me and cramped because I just hate these rules. Actually, the more I know about who you are, I love to hear about this because I want to please you. I want to live my life. I want to see you smile. And a Christian can look at the Ten Commandments and do just that. And when we fail the Ten Commandments, because we do, maybe you haven't murdered anyone, maybe you don't steal, right? Maybe you do honor your father and mother. But Martin Luther wisely said that you don't break any of the commandments 2 to 10 unless you've first broken number 1. And that's the one we all struggle with. That's, that's the, you, we all trip in the first one. Because we all have things that we put into our heart first and kick God out. And then we do whatever we do. But how do you think stealing happens? Get God out of the center, my center in, my desires, my selfishness, my greed, and then I take. How do you think killing happens? Get God out of the center, put my vengeance, my hatred, my desire for my twisted vision of justice, put that in and kill. It all happens that way, but it doesn't have to be dramatic. We just say, I just want to live my life. And so put God out, put myself in, and then I cruise through life, disinterested in God, right? But in Jesus, we look at those laws. No, this is a love letter. I love you, Jesus, and I am still a sinner. I fail. And when we fail, what happens? What happens in a relationship, a friendship with love, when you fail? In a good one, you go to the person and you say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, sir, I lied to you. I, didn't. I was feeling insecure, I was feeling nervous, and I, I said this thing, it's not true, I lied to you. I'm really sorry about that. What are they going to say? Well, if they love you, hey, that Seth, that hurt my feelings. That actually hurt me. But I understand what you were trying to share there. You're feeling nervous, and I forgive you, and I love you. Right? And in a weird way, that actually binds you closer. Those moments. Right? Those moments of reconciliation bring you closer. So here we are, looking at Jesus. Yeah, you fulfill the law. I can't. I mess up. But I'm going to come to you. And every Sunday we come here, we say, we say a confession together. You guys notice that. That's what we're doing. Because we fail. We say, God, I'm sorry that I've done this. Jesus, I'm sorry that I failed you here. 
I didn't mean to, or I didn't mean to, I just wanted my thing, but now I'm thinking about it, that wasn't right. I knew it then, actually. And I'm really sorry. And Jesus will always say, come home. I'm always gonna take care of that. I'm always gonna take care of that. And you're gonna get closer to God, you're gonna be turning to him in hope, and you're gonna be healed. Okay, what does that look like, that life? And we're gonna leave that with an ellipsis a little bit. Because there's two parts. So here's the first part. Next Sunday will be part two. Because we only talked about the first half. How does the rest of our life look like? If this is the way it is. So that's next week. And maybe you can't wait a week to see how do we start. And I'm gonna tell you now. The way that we start, if you wanna begin this journey, wanna surrender those two other false narratives of the law and actually just trust Jesus and follow his word and love. We're going to pray right now. We're going to pray right now. We're going to sing. We're going to do some prayers. We're going to come to the Lord's table, which is also the prayer of the people. And I invite you to bring your life and your hearts to God. Whatever narratives you've woven about who God is that aren't true who he is or how you're living your life, I invite you in the unknown and say, God, I don't even know what I'm doing, to surrender that to God. I say, God, my own life, I don't, I don't even know what I believe, actually, but I want to trust you. Or... I want to want to trust you. Wherever you're at, bring that to God right now. Prayer is beginning. So let's, let's pray together. Let's bring our lives to God. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, Lord, we give you thanks. So many thanks that in our life's journey, how often have we lived our lives without reference to who you are? How often we have made decisions without considering your law of life. How often we have hurt others because we put ourselves first, moved you out of our lives and put ourselves first. God, we thank you that often as we've done that and I've done that, you have not forgotten us, you don't forget us, you don't ignore us, but God, you come to us repeatedly, especially in the person of Jesus Christ, to call us home. God, I pray for everyone in this room. I do not know their spiritual journey, God. You know that, I know, you do. I pray that you would meet each person in this room exactly as they need, that they might take a step of faith and love for your son, Jesus, that that would be our healing and our hope forever. This we pray in his name. Amen.